0: Welcome to Awaken the Dawn with Apostle Dr. Patience Ot. Awaken the Dawn is a ministry of Shekinah Ministries through the Tribe Prayer Line, which meets every morning, 365 days per year, with the purpose of reading the entire Bible in one year. Please listen to this excerpt and be blessed.
1: Today is Tuesday, August 4th, and we thank God for the reading of the Word. We are still reading our second Chronicles, and if you noticed, we went through a lot of kings. Some of them... If we ask you to go and analyze it, you realize that many of them made mistakes. Somebody went to war without asking God, should he go or not? And even when the other king said, I don't have any fight with you, don't come. He disguised himself. He went. He was still killed. Today we are looking at kings who ruled for very few years, like 11 years. We are looking at kings. that another nation will come, remove you from being a king, and put another person to be a king. When you look at all these, you realize that underneath them was the sin of the Israelites. When a nation drifts away from God, You are breaking the hedge and you're allowing the enemy to come in and have a field day and the enemy can do anything they want to do. Can I tell you that as a child of God, there's a hedge around you. Just for accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a hedge of blood around you. And you are the only one who can break the hedge. When you start living in sin, you are breaking up the hedge. You are allowing the enemy to walk in. Remember what happened to Job? That Satan even asked God, Could you bring down the hedge and let me go in? Let me go in and touch him and see. I know the children of Eve. He's going to curse you to the face. That's why it's necessary. Even if you are living in a family and your spouse is not living the life, don't just take it care like, you know, And that's his business. If he wants, let him worship God. If he doesn't want, that's his business. No. Keep him lifted up in prayer. Confess his sins. Ask God to forgive. Because one person can lower the hedge, and the enemy will come in. On the other hand, we also seen accounts of some kings who tried. The word of God is telling us this morning that they celebrated Passover a way they've never done since the time of prophets. Samuel. But remember that this event called Passover is something that God commanded them should be done yearly. But a king will come, take Israelites away. They'll start worshiping Baal. They'll start worshiping Ashtoreth, They'll start doing all sorts of craziness, and they will completely forget the Passover. May the Lord help us to lay such a legacy that even our children's children will still worship the God of Israel. There are just a few scriptures I want to read out for us again. I want to look at verse 15. I want to look at verse 16. I want to jump over to 20. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. You know when the word of God comes. You know when it is for you. And there may be a time God will continue telling you the same thing over and over and over. I want you to understand that he's doing it because he has pity on you. He doesn't want you to go astray. He doesn't want you just to be destroyed. Maybe that's why he keeps telling you the same thing over and over. And please hear him. I'm not telling you that everything that God will ask you to do will be so easy. There are some that will actually constitute a sacrifice. Don't shrink back. But the mocked God's messengers dispersed his word and scoffed at his prophets until... The wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people, and there was no remedy. I don't know. You must have seen some of the prophecies that are being circulated. There's one particular one. It's a Caucasian pastor, and this old man was weeping, crying. Maybe I'll post it on our line. And he was crying and he opened his mouth and he was sharing that the judgment of God is coming on United States of America. And he started giving the reasons how we've not cared about what God has asked us to do. He started talking about seeds and pollution in the house of God. And he talked about how bitter the coming judgment will be. He talked about war for America that America will not come out from. After listening to it, I was shaken. But can I tell you one thing? If that prophecy will become a wake-up call, if that prophecy could cause people to begin to pray for the nation, do you know that God will still forgive the land? Do you know that God could still waive all those punishments? But when God is speaking, and nobody takes it seriously, that's when we're setting ourselves up for trouble. I remember when I came to this country newly. Some of you may know David Wilkerson. He was the founder of Times Square Church in New York. He was the man that wrote The Cross and the Sweet Blood. He was the man that started all these things you are reading about, seven steps, 12 steps for alcoholics. He was the one that started it. David Wilkerson was a police officer in New York. And each time they sent him on traffic patrol or anything and there was rain, that was a big blessing for him. You need to read his biographic. How he will park his car and read chapters and chapters and chapters of the Bible on a go. I always tell you I have not seen any Christian who amounted to anything who was not a man or woman of the world. I'm here to see one. I'm here to see one. So David Wilkerson will always prophesy about this coming doom. This is going to happen. This is what will happen. And many pastors didn't like it. They were looking at him as a prophet of doom. I can't tell you how many prophecies I read from this man before he died. But can I tell you that we are a few people who took him seriously, who would always pray against those things. And who knows? If we had actually prayed enough if 9-11 would have happened. That over three thousand Americans that left their house in one day died in one day. I'm saying this to say, I'm not saying believe every prophecy. Maybe you must have noticed. I don't run my I don't run my ministry on prophecy, I run my ministry on the word of God. And any prophecy you bring will wait with the word of God. And when you are hearing that judgment is coming, begin to pray. So that the God of heaven will wave it. Verse 20 He carried into exile to Babylon the remnant. And they became servants to him and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest. All the time of desolation it rested until 70 years. We are completed in the fulfillment of the word of the Lord by Jeremiah. I want you to watch this. God could give some simple instruction and the Israelites would refuse to do it. Then he told them every seven years, on the seventh year, don't plant, plant anything. Allow the land to lie fallow. I want the land to recover. And when you don't plant anything, I will cause the harvest of the previous year to be large enough for three years so that you will eat on that year of the harvest. You will eat the year you did not plant, and then you will eat on the year you are going to plant. That was the promise of God. But the Israelites did not even pay him any money. And when Jeremiah was prophesying to them, he told them, when you'll be taken to go to the foreign country, when you are going as captives, you'll be there for 70 years. And the same land you said, we will not allow to rest for one year. For every seven years they missed, they'll be there for 70 years and the land will rest. I don't know if anybody is making the connection. I don't know if anybody is getting it that God is he who should be obeyed. And when you refuse to obey, he could cause you to do it. The land had to rest for 70 long years instead of seven years. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord, spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his reign and to put it in writing. This prophecy was made by Jeremiah, but remember it was also made by Isaiah. And when you read this prophecy, it makes absolutely no sense. When you'll be thinking that there's a king of Persia who will wake up and ask his slaves, his captives, I want you to go back, go and build a temple in your place. I will supply you the wood, I'll give you everything you need. Tell me if it makes sense. But because God wanted this prophecy to be fulfilled, the book of Esther happened. It was because a Jewish woman became the first lady. Unbeknown to the kingdom, what God was doing. Esther and Israelite became a a queen. And Esther was the mother of Cyrus. What do I tell you this morning? When God speaks, no matter how impossible it looks, He has the power to bring it to come to pass. So, we are going into a new book today. We are going into the 1st Corinthians. And when you hear 1st Corinthians, you just realize it's a letter. That was written to the people in Corinth. And when you are looking for the authors, just look at verse 1. said it was written by Apostle Paul, but he had an assistant. In somebody called Sosthenes. Who helped him in writing. Bible history said it was written around 55 to... 57 AD. And the crux of the 1st Corinthians, I just want to tell you the gist so that as you are reading the book, it will make sense to you. Paul has helped in founding the church in Corinth. When you read us of the Apostles chapter 18, you will understand that it's true. But after the beginning of that church, after founding that church, he moved on. He moved on to other mission field. And while he was in Ephesus, he heard that they were having serious problems in Corinth. So he sat down and wrote this long letter to the church in Corinth. And as you begin to read, what you are going to discover is that for every problem in the church, they told him he was able to advise them. That's what we are reading. And can I tell you that not much has changed, that those things that happened in the church in Corinth it's still happening in our church today. And there's nothing wrong in going to read this book of First Corinthians and asking ourselves, if this man, there's a sister I know, who will always say that Paul is her mentor. If this man, Paul, took time to address those problems and told them what to do, we can glean, we can learn from them we can actually take the examples he gave them. For instance, he told them in chapter 1, for those of them who we are agreeing who should lead the church, Paul told them that he be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's in verse 10. Let there be no division. Let there be unity. I'll come back and speak on that. There was a man in the church who was involved in an immoral relationship with his stepmother. Paul commanded, put away from among among yourselves." That wicked person. you find that in chapter 5, verse 13. And there were members who were suing others to God. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he told them, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? As we read, you are going to see that Paul took time to teach on, all, on almost all the sacraments of the church. Okay. Apostle Paul taught on marriage. Apostle Paul taught on Christian liberty. Apostle Paul on the Lord's Supper. Apostle Paul wrote on spiritual gifts. In this same letter, he wrote to them about the resurrection of the dead. But of everything he talked about in 1 Corinthians, there was something that took the cake. And if I ask you, All of you know that. And that's when he started talking about love. And nobody will preach on love without touching 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Remember he was addressing things in the church. After addressing their sins, he started counseling them on everything that is done in the church. Chapter 12 was where he was talking about spiritual gifts, different gifts. But you know what was surprising? At the end of that chapter, I believe 1231, he said, listen, 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 listen. All these things are wonderful, but I want to tell you about a more excellent way. I want to show you something that is more important than all these gift things. I want to share with you something that trumps every other thing you do in Christianity even if I'm speaking with tongues even if I'm doing all jumping up and down I'm just a sounding you know, symbol I'm just making noise if I don't have this one this is the more excellent way and if you have read that verse you'll be wondering what is he going to talk about and he landed by telling you that it's love. Now I can put you and two together. No wonder when you are thinking of the fruit of the Spirit, the very first one is love. The foundation of Christianity is love. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I'm just trying to introduce this book of 1 Corinthians so that as we are reading it, you'll not be wondering, why are these people going from from pillar to post? I just want you to have the understanding that Paul was actually dealing with sins in the church. And when he finished, he started teaching them on different topics. But my takeaway from this book, if you like, write it down. At the end, you come back to tell me that it's true. My takeaway from the book of Corinthians is that there are three things that if you do them, the church will flow, your life will flow, and you'll have success. There will be congregational success. Number one, personal purity. If everybody is living a holy life, Personal purity. We cannot do all sorts of craziness. I open up my mouth six days of the week, cursing, lying, gossiping. Then on Sunday, I come and dress up and sit up there, lifting my hand, shouting "Hallelujah." I'm wasting my time. Empty noise. Empty shout. Personal purity. Number two is self-discipline. Self-discipline. If I begin to control myself, discipline myself, what I do with my body, what I do in my body, personal discipline, and finally, love for others. You want a local church to succeed. Congregational success. Personal purity. Self-discipline. Love for others. Love for others is so important. You don't come to church and you see somebody who is gifted, somebody who is doing well. Instead of you to praise God for the person, you are looking for a way to pull the person down. Uh Uh-huh. Every day, she has a special number. She thinks nobody else can sing. God have mercy. Chew on those things. But before I leave you with this Corinthians, can we just read some verses again? From verse 9, God who has called you into his fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord is faithful. Hmm. I appeal to you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you allow agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. That's what you need. I always preach that God is this bigger craft that is flying and rotating around us. And he's looking for a place to land. And he's just looking for a place where our hearts are one. Unity. Where we are together. Read your Psalm 133. That's where God dwells. That's where God is looking to pour out his blessing. Where you are one. And we thank God for this Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You will recite it, jump around. And you hear there's COVID-19. You start shaking in your boots. Whom shall I fear? Elijah just prayed, and fire came down from heaven. And a male woman sent, her a letter, sent him a letter. He started running and became depressed, became suicidal. Said, God, I'd rather die. This is too much. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What are you afraid of? Those bills? The doctor's diagnosis? You know, last night, I felt like jumping out of my skin listening to four testimonies. When actually, in the morning, I had called for two testimonies, and I said, let's take two testimonies this morning. And in the evening, we could take another two. I want you to listen. God didn't give us two. He gave us four testimonies. And none of those testimonies could be made light of. I'm not sure, but I believe the woman who testified is our sister, Mercy Opara at her age, to have fallen in the bathroom, and she's still sitting on the line and sharing testimony. I can't tell you how many people that thing has happened to, and they're not even here today. Another sister shared a testimony, which maybe you don't even have a clue of what she was talking about. But I thank God that I saw the before and I saw the after. She sent me the pictures of the old on her ankle. Open old scars, looking like fresh wound all around her ankle. I saw it in a picture. But she drove all the way to my house to show me that God has closed the ulcers and healed all those wounds. Some of you think we are here for a church play. We gather every morning to try God. I want to tell you, there's nothing you should be afraid of. We've had people come on this land, testify. That even that letter, she word, People are afraid of cancer. You think it's a death sentence. COVID-19, you think it's a death sentence. That God can bring people out through them. That the fire you are looking at is a hamlet furnace. Why? Because the Son of God is already in the furnace. And you walk through the fires and come out and it will not burn you. I believe Isaiah 43. He's not saying there will be no fire. But you walk through and come out. When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Please make God your salvation. Let him become your life. Allow this God of Israel to be your stronghold. He is more than able to take care of you. If a man curses his father or mother, his lamp will be smuffed out in pitch darkness. Whenever you see father and mother, don't just take it, it's your biological father and mother. All your elders, all the father figures, all the mother figures in your life, honor them. Of the Ten Commandments, the only one that has a blessing attached to it. Is the one that said, honor oh, your father and your mother, that your days may be long on earth. And if you don't, your life will be smuffed out. Let's read this word, believe this word, walk in this word, and get the blessings that will come out of this word. Tomorrow we are going into one of my favorite books, the book of Ezra. And you are going to see how God will fulfill promises that He made to His people. Father, we thank you this morning. We appreciate you. Father, the more we read, the more we dig into Your Word, the more we discover that Your Word is here and Amen. You asked the Israelites to leave the land, follow for one year, every seven, seven years they refused. But they had to be taken out and the land had to be left alone for 70 years. You made a promise many, many years. About 200 years later, is about to be fulfilled in Ezra. Because what you say you will do, you will do. Lord, we thank you for all this counsel that Paul gets to this local church in Corinth. And every one of us on this line belongs to a church. And Lord, you're advising us this morning that there be no division among us. That you will be perfectly Walk perfectly in unity. Unity of mind and thought. For that is where God dwells. Father, we thank you immensely because you are our light, you are our salvation, you are our stronghold. Father, get the same fear in our lives, say Lord. You have not given us the spirit of fear. But you've given us the spirit of love, of power, of sound mind. Give you praise the Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Shall we take an august? Can you hear me good morning? Yes, good morning. Hallelujah. Praise. It's when somebody hurts you and you try to understand their situation instead of trying to hurt them back. And the disgrace of God in your life will now begin to propel you forward from where you can notice a shift, from stagnation to Overflow from lack to abundance, from confusion to clarity, from pain to peace. May this be your turning point this month and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. So we thank God for this nugget. That grace is when somebody hurts you. You try to understand their situation instead of trying to hurt them back. And we're praying that the grace of God will propel our lives forward to the point that there will be a shift. We could shift from stagnation to overflow, from lack to abundance, from confusion to clarity, from pain to peace. May this be our turning point this month. And even in the months to come, we thank God. We've learned this word, grace, in every quick way. We've learned this word, grace, in every type of, you know, we've explained it so much that we actually, every member of the tribe will know when we're talking about grace. That is something unmerited. It's something you can pay for. It's something that we thought, oh, cause you to do things the other way. Because people will be wondering everybody's trying to get even. But instead of you to try to get even, you give people grace. We even that's the paradox of Christianity. May the Lord help us. Not just to be hearers only, but doers of his world. Well. Thank you, Evangelist Joy. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless
0: you. We've come to the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Apostle OT and this ministry, please visit www.drpatientsot.com. Again, that's www.drpatientsoti.com. Do you have a desire to read the entire Bible but have never been able to do so? If so, please join the Tribe Prayer Line every day from 4.30 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to read and listen as portions of the Bible are read and expounded upon daily. Call 515-604-9731, access code five eight two zero seven seven. 77 Again, that's 515 515- Six zero four nine seven three one. access code 582